0: Well, today uh, we're going to look at a message I have entitled Storms, and uh, what, what a week as God orchestrates. Isn't it amazing how God orchestrates all things, and, and, uh, and from the beginning uh, of all, uh, He's appointed that we should be here this day, that you're here, there's no accidents with God, there's no plan B, uh, and we may think this is plan B or C or D, or somehow I flunked, you know, <laughs> uh, but there isn't. And God has orchestrated that as we look in Japan, or we we look at the, the Dear Klaus family and pray for them and, and more. And uh, the th- different issues in, in your life and in my life. And uh and here we are looking at uh doc- the the doctor's gospel, Dr. Luke, the beloved physician, and he comes to that narrative of the of the storm. We've we've seen it in years gone by. I pulled a file and it was uh, back in, uh, I think it was 01 or 02, we looked at Mark's gospel, where Mark gives the account. Isn't it interesting? Not always is this so, but uh, by God's sweet direction, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three include this account, Uh, this uh, rather amazing account, uh, and it's like, don't miss this. God wants us now 20 centuries later to, Don't miss the storm and all that happened there and and glean from it the wonder of who this man is, Christ the Lord, and all that he has done and, and that we are his sheep and how it applies to us. He's like saying, look, I said it once, I said it twice, I said it three times. Was your mother like that? If I say that again, if I say that twice, you know, some are one, that's one, that's two. It's like three now. Don't miss it and this is the first time I ever studied it in Luke's account, very similar to, to the other accounts, adds a little bit of emphasis. In chapters 8 and 9 of Luke's gospel, Luke is intertwining both the teachings and then the miracles of Christ. Remember his purpose. We saw that in chapter 1. He's saying, I'm writing these things to you, O Theophilus, so that you might know with certainty the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he is weaving these things together and we've been working our way in recent days through chapter 8, and today is no different. The disciples are going to learn something brand new about this one who was in their boat. It's a glorious account. Storms. Take your Bible, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, if you've not, and uh, let's, let's read the account. And as we look at chapter 8, verse 22, I'm reading out of the ESV. One day, he, that is Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they woke, they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, "Where is your faith?" And they were afraid and they marveled, saying to one another, "Who who then is this that he commands even winds and water?" And they obey him. That is the reading of the word of the Lord. Well, <clears throat> many people, most people, and probably you, rather enjoy taking a boat ride. Aren't boat rides fun? Go down to the Baltimore Harbor and uh, ride the boat out. Maybe with Faith and I have had occasion to take it out on the Chesapeake on the warm, sunny day. I didn't own the boat. Don't want to own a boat. If you own a boat, I'll pray for you. <laughs> First day and the last day, you own a boat are the best days in the life of a boater. But I'll go with you, <laughs> and you know the warm rays of the sun, isn't it wonderful? And the spray of the water, if you're just cruising along, beautiful, beautiful, almost intoxicating. One time I remember Mark and I had an occasion ride jet skis, and in the sunny south, and and. Uh, and we were just going along in the salt spray. Remember that? It was spraying out. I, said, I looked at and said, let's just keep going and never go back. <laughs> and we got out there. I think that's where the tankers were going by, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and then you get big waves. Wow, When those, they go, you're out pretty far. Wow, it's almost intoxicating, isn't it, to be out there on that? But if you've done any boating... Uh, or much of it, you, you can realize the weather can change very quickly, very, very quickly. And a storm can sort of come up out of the horizon, out of nowhere, and you go like, whoa, where'd that come from? Man, and, uh, and it can bring even uh, great fear. Get this vessel in the shore. Man, we're going to be thrown about, and we're going to be in deep trouble. Some of you saw that movie, The Perfect Storm, right? And that was based on a real story out of Gloucester, Maine, where they went out way to the certain fishing area and way out there and, and uh, never made it back uh, to, uh, to tell about it. The waves buried that uh, fishing boat, and they all perished. Well, the disciples, I'm reminded, were obeying the Lord Jesus in our text that we just read. They were obeying him. They got in the boat. Even Peter, uh, who seems so opinionated, right? He's the alpha male, but he's got a better plan. Uh, Go this way. No, I think we ought to go that way, right? That's Peter always putting his foot in his mouth like us. That's why we love Peter, incidentally, don't we? We Love Peter. He had to keep a jar of Vaseline handy, keep his foot all greased up. So when he stuck it in there, he could pull it out more easily. That's sort of (laughs) <laughs> That's sort of Peter. Peter doesn't even say no, Lord. But they're all tired. You should know, this is a long day of ministry. The other gospel accounts fill it in all the things, and people tired to me is the most tiring. You know, I can work half the night with my hands and building this and that, and I've done that. Some of you, Mike, you do that all the time, but uh, the, sometimes the people tired. You know, young mothers know what that is with little babies. You know, and young children, toddler to wear me out. Wear them out, right? That's the way that is, and grandma's watching little ones and so on. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> wear me out, hitting the bed. They're tired too, all of them. Get in the boat. No, no complaints. They follow the Lord. We'll look at that a little more later, and they're heading across. The it's a lake. It's a freshwater lake. It's called the Sea of Galilee. It's uh, thirteen miles long, eight miles wide. It's. Uh, It's prone to great storms. It's 700 miles below sea level, and uh, there's a bowl of of, uh, highlands and and even they would call them mountains there around it, and the ravines so that uh, the weather coming from the west, from the Mediterranean, would move across a little bit of land and would funnel right down onto that, that lake, that Sea of Galilee, and cause incredible turbulent storms, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, we have, uh, we have taken a number of boat rides across that and read scripture. And they, I'm glad to say every one of those days there were blue skies and the seagulls were flying overhead and I could hear them and the fishermen were out. It was beautiful. And, uh, and you get, it's, it's, it's quite, quite beautiful, but it can change in a moment. Change in an absolute moment. And that's what happened in our account, as we've just read, suddenly a terrific storm hit, and they found themselves fearing for their very lives. In fact, in verse 24, as we read, they came, they woke the Lord up, and they said, we are perishing. Now, these aren't like, you know, wimpy type guys, okay? You got to get the scene here. These are salt of the earth men. And can I say it? Four of them were professional sailors, fishermen. And they fished at night, typically, on the Sea of Galilee. So they're used to being on the sea at night. That's a little scary, right? Didn't have the big flood lights, like, wait, turn the flood on, let's see what's happening. None of that, you know, and it's starting to move a little bit. And uh, four of them are professional sailors, and I imagine the others were looking at them. You know, I do that in an airplane. You know, I do that. When you're starting to rock and roll and bounce around in the, turbo, how many of you like that? Better than Hershey Park sometimes. <laughs> Some of you go on those terrifying uh, roller coasters and you know, you're you hanging upside down, right, and screaming and all that. And you're like, that's so much fun, I'm doing it again. And you go on an airplane, it bounces a little bit like, oh, I want my money back, you know, it's funny like that. But when it does that, I'm always looking at the, uh, the, uh, the flight attendants. You know, like, and they're smiling, still serving you Coke and stuff like that. And and unless they have to sit down, please sit down. It's a little bit too much for that. You know, but if they ever, I'm telling you, if they ever fell on the floor screaming out, I think that would be it. I think just game over, put it away. I think I'd be done, right? I think the other ones are looking at these four. All right, these guys, they've been doing this all their life. And they're all terrified. I don't see it. The four, you know, they're like, come on, get with it, smack it around, get with it, be a man. No, they're terrified. This must have been a a dinger of a storm. I'm telling you, this must have been the storm of storms. You got to get the picture here. It's night, it's dark. They're terrified. We're going down, down. And in the midst of it, the Lord Jesus is asleep. We're perishing. Well, this account, I'm telling you, has much to teach us as we, too, sail through life and at times find ourselves buffeted, buffeted by the wind and the waves and the storms that quickly rise on the horizon of life, often without warning, right? It's a, this squall is a picture of the sudden and dangerous storms that threaten us as we sail through life. It is. It's a dramatic picture. And it has a dramatic lesson, or multi-lessons, or multi-layers here. We're going to look at it a little bit different than we did when we saw years ago in Mark's Gospel. For I'm reminded we must all pass through the heavy seas of life's trouble. We never want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. You don't want it. We don't vote for it. It's not a democracy. If you notice, life isn't a democracy. But, 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 Lord, no way. God orders it. And the storms come, don't they? They come. Well, the disciples needed to learn some things about the Lord Jesus, and we need to learn the same lessons and more uh, 20 centuries later. And so three reasons why we need to to trust Jesus, three reasons why you and I need to learn to trust Jesus as absolute bedrock uh, through not only the calm days, and those are easy, right? but during the sudden and the unexpected times, the storms that hit us. You know, it's, it's the call from the doctor. You know, I've had that, and you've had that. And if you've not had it, you've had it from loved ones. It's the call from a boss. You're getting a pink slip. What am I going to do now? You know, it's, it's family issues it's it's life in a, in a in a in a broken world storms you know like and we say oh, I, I i never saw that coming never saw that coming and we get that phone call i mean we 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 saw that i could i couldn't even read the paper with the Klaus family this week can i can't imagine the kind of storm to lose all but one of your children. Hard-working people. You know, dairy farmers are farmers in the farming world. They're the hardest-working people in all the world. We lived in Indiana, and and there are a lot of grain farmers out there. They, they all work at Chevy or somewhere else and take their... They have like eight weeks of vacation, ten weeks, and they plant during some of those weeks, and then they harvest during the other, and that's about it, really. They hire the kids to detassel the corn, and the dairy farmers, twice a day, 4.30 in the morning, 4.30 in the afternoon, milking the cows, feeding the cows, growing the grains, maybe have some hogs and some other things. They're, they're unbelievably hardworking people. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I, I shed a tear this week for that dear family. I just, you know, you personally do. Like, what, that could have that been me. They didn't see that coming. You know, Dad, as uh, as I understand it, was in the milk truck doing, getting ready for delivery or picking up some. And what is it, real early? He's slouched over sleeping. I that'd be me. Probably and then there's his wife in the barn, a good faithful wife working sideway, milking the cows. Little knowing what's going on. And there's their house is on fire. And everything to live for, apart from the Lord, is perishing behind them. Well, we may not have storms like that, but it feels like loss and total loss. And It's not every day. I'm thankful that it's not every day like that, right? Luke wrote in Acts 14, through much tribulation and trouble, we enter into eternal life. And you've had troubles, and I have had troubles, and you've had storms, and I've had storms. And who knows what's coming tomorrow, or this week, or next month? Don't know. I remember with my father, <clears throat> my father was, I think I told you that before, didn't know the Lord, but I remember one time distinctively, distinctively when I worked with him, those uh, several years after college, before I went to seminary, the phone call came in the morning, I remember the once, in My mother's dad had died, and it was, uh, uh, he had been sick, but they said he was doing better, but then he died. And the phone call, I heard the phone ring down the hallway, and he answered, and uh, then uh, a few minutes later, he came down the hallway, and he said, oh, my. I said, what's up, Dad? He said, your mother's father died. Oh, my. And and Dad had that look of hopelessness. He didn't know Christ. Oh, my. Now what's going to happen next? And then he said, the, uh, he believed that. Things, bad things happen in threes. Who's dying next? I remember his words. I, I never, I, th- I told you, I never know when that, you start counting and end on that. So like, okay, that's the third. Now we're going to get a break for a while or something. I don't, but uh, wow. Let's close you off. And we shut the office and, you know, you do that as a family, right? Death in the family. I wrote the little death in the family, closed. Put it in the Stuff happens. It happens. The phone call rings often. Uh, that's how we get the message. And I can, I can think, and I've, I've pr- mentioned many of them through the years, and you know them as well. When the storms hit, they hit. We have no control. We live with the illusion that I'm in control. Everything's okay. It's going my way. That's an illusion. It is. It is. Christ didn't continue to hold it all together. we go flying apart. And the disciples needed to learn that, and this was their, going to be their lesson for the day, and they needed to learn to grow in their trust of the Lord Jesus. That's the whole theme here in Luke. You need to learn to grow to trust me more and more and more, for I'm trustworthy. I'm God Almighty. And so three reasons, real quickly, the three are this. All things are under his sovereignty. God orders our steps, every one of them. Every one of them. Every one of our steps, your steps are ordered. God is in the detail. You want to look in the detail. God orders the detail of your life. He's sovereign. Second, that Jesus sets the perfect example for us. We'll see that, the perfect example. He completely trusted in his father. And when the Lord says, where is your faith? He's not asking me where my wife is. Yeah, he is really saying that in his, his rebuke, and it's a rebuke, that you ought to have the same faith that I have. That's the trust that I'm building in you that you need to accept it and Rest. And the last and the final thing is, don't you love this? Jesus is in the boat with us. I love that. So when you're sitting there at your employer and he's giving you a slip or you're in the troubles of life, financial, or health-wise, or spiritual battles, Jesus is there in your boat. He is. And, lo, I'm with you always. Now, if you got that, you can go home now. That's where we're going. It's a wonderful lesson and it's like, it's not like one of those, it's like math. You've got to do it over and over and over again. Give me that again. How do I do two plus two? got to know how to do that. Do long division. you got to get it over and over and over and over again. And that's why it's in the Word like it is. Well, three reasons why we need to trust Jesus during the storms. As we go through the scary and dangerous, he has promised to carry us through. He will. Well, the first, we should trust Jesus during our storms because even the storms are under his sovereignty. He orders our steps. Verse 22, Jesus had told the disciples, we're going over to the other side. Let's go over. Been a long day of ministry. We're going to take the gospel to new places. That's what we do. You know, as we scatter here as a church, we do that with our feet. How beautiful are the feet. I mentioned that earlier. Going to Qatar, going to your homes, going to your neighborhood, your family, places where you study, places where you work. Where we carry along in our feet, in our shoes, the gospel of Jesus. That's what God wants. And here he is modeling it. Notice the Lord just didn't stay in Bethlehem all his life, Nazareth all his life, Capernaum all his life. I'm just going to stay in Jerusalem, city of God. He might have wanted to do that, humanly speaking. He took the gospel out. That's what he was doing. That's why they were going over. across the sea. God had appointed it. All people, it's one gospel for the whole world. That's why Faith and I go to Qatar. Strengthen the church. So they need strengthening. They don't have the many privileges that we have. Well, they're going to go. Well, look at number two. The disciples unknowingly, We're headed to a storm. They had no idea. I mean, they have not seen anything like this before. What's coming? That's going to unfold? You know, we live in the moment, don't we? Moment by moment, we live in the moment. I don't know what's going to happen here in another hour or two. Hey, that clock wasn't changed. I get an extra hour to preach. uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hoping that, you know, I get some lunch. You know, but uh, you know, I may not make it home, right? Or you. And I don't know what you're thinking later in the day, but we live here in the present, one moment. Don't live in the past. A lot of people do, and they wonder why they're no good for anything now. They just live back there, woe is me. And we learn the lessons. Drive ahead, look in the rearview mirror, learn that. Don't drive forward looking in that only, though. But we live here and now. They didn't know what was coming. The Lord knew. They're always in the schoolroom, right? Always in the school of life, going to teach them something. They're all tired, exhausted. You can see that. Little did they imagine what was coming. They were in the boat only because Jesus had told them to do that. And often danger comes suddenly and unexpectedly in this. Life of ours, and yet it's all under His control. Everything, the tiniest of details. Oh, I rest in that. The only way I can sleep at night. The only way. We'll look at that a little bit more later. Look at B. We are reminded that having a personal relationship with Jesus does not mean that somehow we'll escape the storms. Come to Jesus, and you'll you'll be happy and cared for forever, and never have another trouble. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. There's some people that on TV will preach that today. Don't believe it for a moment. Then you're going to think, well, what's the matter with me? And then they'll suggest, you need more faith. Well, we probably do, but that's not the reason we have trouble. God orchestrates and designs It's kind of like a personal uh, program, curriculum. You ever have a program where you have a personal curriculum? My doctoral program was like that. It was built like the European system where you work with a professor and he tells you, I think you need to go to New York City and I want you to study at that library there on 34th Street and so on and do this and do that. And I said, I think that's a good idea, I'm going. <laughs> they direct it. It was a personal program of study and exam among classes and other things, but it was tailored that way. And God has done that for each one of us here. And he's doing it for the, uh, the disciples. And just because they had a personal friendship with him didn't mean they weren't going to have a storm. And the same thing's true with your life and mine. Doing God's will does not mean blue skies for, for every single day. You know what? If the, it was that way, you would not appreciate blue sky. You'd be moaning and groaning. All it ever is is sunny. I'm tired of it. <laughs> That's our nature, isn't it? It is. And so God gives variety. The, 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 and the, the wharf and whoop of life and the variety is the spice of life, and we see that with every sunset different, every day different. And God weaves that all together. And uh, he has done that even for us, always. Well, and these are his chosen ones. He picked them. He prayed all night. and God gave them. Why would he allow them to go through a storm? They needed to learn about him. They needed to grow in their trust. He was entrusting them to be the foundation of the church. They needed to grow up in him, discover something about him. And Luke is building this by God's direction, going to show that this Lord of glory, this creator, is also the sovereign Lord of his creation. That when he speaks, the creation even listens. Wow, that changed their life forever, don't you think? How could they ever be the same after that boat ride? Wow, you say, well, that really changed me. Man, that taught me more than the Titanic. Wow, what an experience. Well, and the same thing is true with you. If you know Christ, you're one of his chosen. That's what the church is, the called out ones. Well, see, the, this storm was ordered by God to test their faith and to train their soul. God was training them through this. Jesus, the master teacher, Rebukes them, asking, verse 25, where is your faith? Did they forget it? Was it hidden? Was it in their pocket? (laughs) Where is it? Where would it go, you know? (laughs) It's like when we left Sarah behind at the restaurant that time when she was this high. (laughs) Driving on the road, happy. We just ate, left the restaurant. Pop's driving, we're in the back, happy. You're just driving through Fort Wayne. About, uh, what, a half mile later, where's Sarah? Ah Ha-ha! Instant terror, crying away. Where's our Sarah? Is that what he's asking? Where's your faith? Did we leave it at the restaurant? Where is it? That's what he's asking. Where is it? Well, whenever we're tossed about by life's troubles, we need to remember that God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And the storm's never taken by surprise, Never. Never do. In fact, he orders them, even in a fallen world. Whatever befalling you now, this week, or last week, or last month, or in the days that God has orchestrated all that, and will continue to do that until he brings about the great culmination of all things, the coming of Jesus, the reverse of the curse, and death shall be no more, no more tears, no more death. God is doing that for his glory for him, for himself. He's sovereign. Rest in that. Rest. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we know the one who holds all the tomorrows in his hands. We can be assured that whatever comes in life, God has appointed it for us. An appointment. And we'll use the storm to make us like Jesus. You know, appointments, that's a good way to think about it. It is. I often think about that with evangelism. There are no ha- happenstance, and if God should bring someone across your path and they seem tender and open and wondering about life or seem open to, uh, those are appointments by God. Don't miss that. You, you know, share the Lord Jesus, share your testimony with them, share the greatest love story. Don't feel like you have to dump the whole thing. Give yourself a break. God will. One sows, one waters, God brings the increase. They're God's appointment. Well, well, storms are like that. They're appointments, appointments. When Faith's mom and dad in their latter years were in Florida, they would often say their calendar is filled up with all sorts of doctor appointments. I think half of Florida's like that. They are. It's God's waiting room down there. And they, and they just, it's, they make a day of it. They do. They try and get a morning appointment and then do lunch. They go to the specialist, the gastroenterologist, the heart specialist, whoever, right? And then let's do lunch at the Brown Derby or the early bird special. You show up there at 3.30. They're the only people eating a little piece of beef at 3.30 in the afternoon. Got to be home by 7. Can't eat too late. Can't sleep at night. You know, that all that kind of thing. <laughs> Appointments. Well, Romans 8.28. Don't you love that? For we know that all things work together for the good. God is sovereign. And I don't know what God has in store for your life, whether you live this long or that long, the ups and downs and the loved ones of your life. All I know is such is the nature of life in a broken world. It is. It's a tear-filled world. Disappointment and sadness. And yet God is sovereign in and through it all, through the storms that come upon us. Come upon us. Yeah. I thought, of, I thought of you, Tom, this week when I wrote this, thinking, you told me last Sunday, You just uh, two or three days earlier, you got the word, you didn't even know there was a problem or something, right? And you know, that, uh, oftentimes, uh, that's, that's not uncommon the way it is. And so we need to just say, Lord, you're in charge, I'm not. You're great, I'm small, I'm puny. I can't do very much. I rest in you. I'm trusting you. Look at the second reason that we need to trust Jesus during the storms. We need to trust him because Jesus set the perfect example for us. Did he not? What an example here. I mean, I already said he's tired. Look at verse, uh, again, 23. And as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. I mean, he knew what was coming. He's omniscient, even in his kenosis. And the windstorm came down on the lake, and they're filling with water, and they, and he's sleeping. Did you notice? Jesus missed almost the whole storm, sleeping. I'm saying to you that Jesus sets a, a great example for us here. It's it's marvelous to me. We're we're called to imitate God in Ephesians five one, uh, imitate Him. Jesus is God made flesh. It's amazing to see Him sleeping. He's man. He's exhausted. He's tired, he thirsted, he hungered, yet nothing ever without sin. He was never gluttonous, he was never drunken, he was never sexually immoral. He was wearied, he was tired, he was people tired, sleeping on the cushion, the other gospel tells us, in the boat, exhausted from his work. You know, good working men sleep, don't we? When we work hard, men and women, don't don't we sleep better? If you got nothing to do during the day, nights can be long because you haven't spent enough energy to sleep well at night. But working men and women, hard working men and women, sleep well, don't they? I used to see my father sleep like that. He was just that. Jesus slept. I have on your sheet as if he didn't have a care in the world. How about that? Just, uh, he was being carried off on beds of ease. What irony, don't you think? One man writes, the storm did not wake him. Not at all, but what a contrast. What irony. The unbelief of his disciples did. He's tossed to and fro. He knows his father's going to take care of him. They were going over, right? The storm <laughs> doesn't wake him at all. He's in deep, deep, deep sleep. That REM sleep where you dream, don't they say that? In your REM, you're sleeping, Dreaming. Wow! Wow, that, and he is, and then wake him, but the unbelief of his chosen ones through their words rouse him from his sleep. Well, how could Jesus do this? How could he sleep? Well, he had complete confidence, trust in the loving care of his heavenly Father. Completely trusted, completely, utterly trusted his Father. As we should. As we. No matter what befalls, no matter what storms hit. It's almost as if he said, Father, you're awake and you always are, so I'm going to sleep. That's not bad. You're always on the job, you are sovereign, and so we don't need two of us. I'm going to sleep. Isn't that great? That's the way we ought to face the challenges and the storms that we're in now. Some of you are in. Some may come this week. You're always on the job. Mm -hmm. Psalm 121, you never slumber nor sleep. Since you don't, you're always awake. I'm going to sleep. Oh, what a gift that is. What a gift. He sleeps. And when Jesus... uh, Uh, He's And number two, he rebukes the disciples. Where's your faith? I said already, he was really challenging them to live with the same kind of trust in the Lord, his Father, that he had. And that's what God is doing in your life and mine, resting in him. That's what he's doing through sanctification, making you like little Jesus, that you'll love him more and more. Think of your greatest love relationship in human life, and that's the way we ought to love the Lord, and even more so. And in our trust of him, are we being with trust? We trust him to save us, and he does completely. And then as we learn to trust him, living in a world that often has storms and tears, he says, this is what I'm doing in your life. Follow my example. Rest, trust. He said, in another place, why worry? You can't add another hour to your life. Why worry? Go to sleep. In the hospital, go to sleep. At home, go to sleep. I don't sleep all the time. Get up, do what you need to do, but rest. Isn't that great? Isn't Sabbath great? It's resting, resting in his word. If Jesus thought he had to look after his own life, undoubtedly, he would have stayed awake when the first wave went, oh, here it comes. I knew this was coming. I planned it. Here it comes. I better stay awake. Hold on to the side, right? I got to do this or I'm going down. I got to watch out for everything that happens. I got news for you. You and I can't. You can't look at every contingency that can happen in your life. You cannot do it. Impossible. You're never designed for that. And you do it, you'll be in an early grave anyway. You'll worry about everything. Worry ward. Trust, rest, don't worry. God has already marked out the number of your days and mine for his glory. Rest. Rest. Isn't that great? Rest. Like Jesus. Wow, that's what we need to do. That's what he did. He trusted his Father completely. You and I can't watch out for every every and all the contingencies. Wow, have the kind of trust that I have. And see, Jesus modeled the peace and the tranquility that comes from perfect trust. We're not there. Oftentimes we fail miserably. Lord, forgive us. Lord, increase our faith. Those are good prayers to pray, incidentally. Lord, help me. I want to trust you. I'm going to say it, you know, by way of application. The way up is the way down. The way up is to be a childlike. Yeah, you know how silly little kids are. They just believe what their parents tell them. Isn't that something? I used to tell my kids I could lift the house up. I got that from my father. He's showing me his bicep one day, yeah, I'm strong. Lift the house. Really, Dad? Wow. I told Kevin Rose My neighbor, my dad's so strong he could lift the, he's stronger than your dad. No, he isn't. He could beat your dad up. You getting that, you know, when you're this high? <laughs> yeah, he could. No, he can't. You know, you know, crazy talk, right? Then I ended up, I don't know, it kinda comes back. You ever have your father's words, men? Uh you you're you're speaking and you go like Holy cow! That's my father. Well, I'm saying my dad's words. I'm telling my boys on Clark Summit. Yeah, I could pick that house up. Yeah, I saw Jonathan telling the. Yeah, my dad. You know, same thing again. You know, like that's stupid kids. Yeah, what they believe their father, they believe them. And so the way up in the Christian life is like kids go down. Say I'm educated. I know all the all the problems now. Great. Good for you. <laughs> There's a million problems, probably far more than what you even think. The way up in the Christian is the way down. God said it, and that settled it. doesn't really matter if you believe. God said it, that settled it. Rest like a kid. God said it. That's what's going on here, even in the midst of a storm. Lord, we perish. There's a lot of that in life. Wow. It's kind of like ready or not, here we come, Right? I told that to the surgeon in August. He goes, he's trying to go through this list of stuff. Now you could die from this, die from that. I go like, do I have to? Hear? I'm laying there, and they're getting ready to gash you. You know, I said, do I have to hear all that? I said, look, I'm trusting the Lord. Ready or not, here I come. You know, he said, okay, just sign here. <laughs> I signed it. You know, with my. <laughs> and here I am. I made it. I don't know. I'd been better off go to heaven. Not faithful have been better. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 Ready or not, here we come. I mean, uh, really, God orders all that. You've got a, a firm grasp on that. It's so needful, like Jesus. It's so much. Well, there's a third and final reason why we, too, need to trust Jesus during the storms, and that is Jesus is in the boat with us. Oh, I love this. I quoted on your sheet there, verses twenty four and twenty-five and then some other Lo, I'm with you always, Matthew twenty eight. Lo, I am with you always. Is always, always, always is always, isn't it? There's no like legal footnote. Janae, is there a footnote in there except on Tuesday and Thursday <laughs> two to four? I'm out to lunch, you know. <laughs> no legal ease there, you know, you don't have to call and let the pew hip and we got a, you've been hurt and uh, no, none of that. I am with you always. And then another place, huh? I'll never leave you nor forsake Never means never. Never. They always say that, don't they, in an argument, a husband, don't ever say always, don't ever say never. You know, like we'll say that. Will you never make me pancakes? You know, <laughs> like, yes, I did back when we were, you know, don't, you never say that because it's, but you only say it when it really applies, like here. I'll never leave you. So no matter what you're going through, I'm always with you through the storms. The good times, yes, but you don't seem to sense that you need me as much then, but especially during the storms, I'm always there. Jesus is in the boat. Do you see him there? I see him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I remember my friend Ron Williams from college. Ron was a Vietnam veteran. And he looked like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at that point. Arnold, he had enormous biceps and his delts were bouncing. And he had pecs that were, he could bounce his pecs before anyone even knew what that was. And like in the dorms, that was Friday night entertainment for the freshmen. (laughs) You know, like, hey, Ron, do it again. You know, and he'd be flexing all these muscles. He was older because he had gone to Vietnam and back. And he used to have all these pictures of these little Vietnamese kids and he worked the motor pool and worked work out lifting Jeep parts, I think. And he'd have these kids on his shoulders, a bunch of these little Southeast Asian kids. And they always hung around him because they felt safe with Mr. Ron. That's the idea. Uh, they felt Ron was in the boat with him. Jesus, how much more, is always in our boat. Always, always. Some of you need to hear that today. I don't know what's going to happen this year. This is kind of a crazy time in our economy and in our lives. We need to be reminded of that. We need to encourage each other. We need to remind each other of that. Jesus is in the boat with us. He is always going with you always. Uh, How could they fear as long as he's in the boat with them? He's in the ship. Even though he was asleep, he's Lord Almighty. He's watching over them. His own. And they called to him. That's prayer, incidentally. That's what prayer is. And that's what we do, don't we? We cry out to Jesus. Lord, help me. Lord, help. 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 Those are good words. Help. I was drowning once in Long Beach, Canada. I don't know how my father, but by God's grace, even heard me on the shore. I stepped off the sandbar. I was only about yay high. and, And Whoa, almost went down, <laughs> and uh, I, I did. I stepped off and couldn't find my sandbar again, and uh, the little undertow, and uh, he, Dad had told us, now if that ever happens, you go down to the bottom, you, you push off, come up, and yell help, get a breath of air, just keep doing that, and keep doing that, someone near you, and uh, lo and behold, I was just about overcome, and <clears throat> he grabbed me. I don't know how he usually slept on the beach during those days. But well, God allowed him to hear my voice and he rescued me. And I held onto his neck as a six-year-old boy would do, crying away. I thought that was it. I bit the bullet. Well, that was a short one. I want to rerun on that, if that was it. <laughs> Lord, help. That's it. That's what it is. That's a lot of prayers. Lord, help. My heart's broken. I don't know what to do with this. I want to... Just cast it on him. Lord, help. That's what they did. They went to him. Lord, Lord, don't you care? Lord. They call to him and he responds. And God always does. Jesus speaks. Don't you love this? This is one of the most dramatic things in all the Bible. The Lord stands up. He speaks to the storm, the waves, the wind, and all of that. And it's a miracle. Don't water it down. Don't say, you know, three days later it got calm, right? Do you think the uh, disciples would have been impressed by that? Do you think they would have feared? They would have thought, "Mm, I think a low pressure may have come in and knocked out the storm, and aren't aren't we glad for that? No. When they saw the Creator standing in the boat, you see, there's something more terrifying than a storm outside your boat. It's having holy, almighty God standing in your boat. You think the storm was something, get ready for this. Don't you think they never forgot that? Wow. Don't you think when the next time a storm came across, they cried out to Jesus for their little ones, their children, their mom, their dads, their brothers and sisters, their their workmates, their neighbors, and the totality of it. Do you not think they did? They cried out to Jesus, Lord, help. They did. They learn to trust him. He's in the boat with Him. He speaks in the creation. Now there's a good picture, and this is one of the best in all the Bible. Side by side, the mystery, the wonder of Jesus. He's God. He's man. He's man. He's exhausted. He's sleeping. He's pure man. He's the second Adam. Seed of the woman. Born of Mary. One person, two natures. God, man. And the next verse you see the divinity of Jesus, the Godness. He stands, and even the inanimate creation hears him. He's, it's that same word that he spoke, and it all came into being. He's the creator. God the Father created through the Son. And it's the Lord that spoke, the Lord Jesus. And it all came into being. He holds it all together. Now he speaks, even in his incarnation, instantly. For water to be instantly come, you know, that's another miracle. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Usually it's, you know, okay, eight hours later, calm. Instant calm. No more storm. Wow. Man. No wonder the disciples are now asking each other, uh, fearing, who is this one or this man? They learn something about the Lord Jesus. Creation's creator is also creation's Lord. Wow. Jesus uh, promise to never leave us, even during our storms. He goes with them with us. He goes through them with us. And he does. He is in the boat through the calm waters as well as the tempest. And we need to trust him. We need to see him there. We need to trust him. Rest. We're not much. Don't have a higher thought of yourself than what you ought. He's great. We're not. And Jesus proved he was even more powerful than the mightiest of the storms at sea. And that's what Luke is allowing us to see as he's building in his writing. Who is this one that we can have certitude of faith in? He's the Lord of glory. He's the God of creation. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. He is the one that his life is worth uh, imitation. What an example of perfect trust. And He's one who's in the boat with us. No matter what befalls us. What can we say about lessons for our life? Lessons for our life. Well, let's now keep this on. Look at Isaiah uh, 43.1. Thank you, John. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then he says specifically to the nation of Israel, I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Glorious reminder even from the Old Testament. Lessons for our life. Number one, trouble, hard times, storms do not mean that God has forgotten you. Our, we're so timid and frail and, and we still have that residue of sin. We think, yeah, that's it. God has forgotten me now. I'm not important. I don't count. Who am I? Hey, we're all on the same play. Who, plane. Who are we? Not much. Every one of us. We're sinners saved by grace. But our tendency is, oh, you know, God has forgotten me. He has never forgotten me. He, In fact, the truth of it is like that old footprints poem. When it got so tough, there's only one set of footprints, and they're his, and he carries us. Have you been there? I've been there. He carries us. So be careful. And in the time of storm, keep believing your belief and doubt your doubts. Remember that? Be encouraged. God has a purpose. He's weaving it together. Whether you can see it, and oftentimes we can't. Sometimes later we can make some sense of it, some sense of it. But a lot of things we'll never know till heaven. And then we'll ask. Number two, when the storms strike your life, keep casting yourself on the Lord Jesus. Pray to him. Casting all your cares upon him. Keep casting, keep casting, keep casting. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I remember I had the blessed privilege one time to be with a brother, Whitey, as uh, he was failing And soon for heaven, and uh, as uh, in the five, I happened to be there right at the time in his home, in his bedroom with his daughter, and her husband, and a few others, as uh, he was breathing his last. And uh, there were there were Lord Jesus, there were words like Lord Jesus, help my daddy, Lord Jesus, help him, Lord, out loud, just just spontaneous. It was I I often thought back how beautiful that was. Lord, help, Lord, help, Lord, help. When Faithy was uh, giving birth to our last child, Jonathan, <clears throat> there was a little bit of problem uh, at the, the hour of excitement, that last uh, uh, transit, right? And uh, wondering if uh, he was getting stuck in transition and, uh, and, and all of that. And the doctors, who was normally looked like Dr. Welby, didn't seem to rush anywhere, all of a sudden he's moving in high gear and the nurses are kind of picking up speed in the family birthing room. I'm sitting there at a front row seat and I notice and, and, and Faith is getting the idea something, something could happen here and she's exclaiming, oh, Lord, oh, Terry, pray, pray, out loud, just pray at the moment there. Lord, help the situation. See this through. That's the way it is. I've been in a 360 going down the interstate. It's a mice. Didn't know where that came from. I came from the, I'm doing one of the, uh, instantly. I'm not thinking about, am I getting paid next Tuesday? I'm not thinking about, I'm going to the gym. Lord Jesus, help me, right? It ought to be intuitive. It ought to be responsive. And it ought to be continual. Do that. Pray to the Lord. Cast that. I got to call my father to die. I went down in the basement through my tears. got on my face and wept and cried out to God. Oh, Lord, bring good out of this. You know, that's that's what it is. And I tell you all those things just to try and show you from my heart out how, how this plays out in life and how it ought to play in each one of our lives. Keep casting. Number three, look at number three. Your storm may be God's way of drawing you to Jesus to be saved. Maybe, maybe your storm reveals that you, you don't have saving faith in the Lord Jesus. And God is knocking on the, your soul and saying, come to me, come and be saved. You're a sinner, you're lost. It's not about church membership. It's not about being baptized. These things are important in their place, but you can have all that and be lost and not saved, not really be a Christian. You need to receive me as my Lord and Savior. And maybe God's just rocking the boat here a little bit, so you go, like, you know, maybe I'm not taking care of business first things first. I need to ask the Lord to forgive me of my sin and receive Jesus. A simple prayer for you, Lord Jesus, I receive you. And God will save you in an instant. Number four, the Lord is making us, growing us up to be like children. Isn't that great? I love kids. I love them so much, really. We trust him completely. Kids trust their parents, usually in a healthy home. Always, I believed in Santa Claus for a lot of years. Why? Because my mom and dad said a neighbor kid tried to tune me in. Now there's no such thing, and well, we had a little bit of an altercation there at that point. It was just, you know, yes, there is. No, there. Isn't. Then I found out there wasn't right. That kind of shook me a little bit. Then I didn't know if I want to spill the beans if I wouldn't get any presents. <laughs> you know, if, hey, if I, hey, if like hypothetically, Mom, if I don't think they're Santa, does that mean we still have Christmas? You know, one of these things, right? Kids believe what their parents say in a normal setting. Believe the Lord. Growing up is the way down. Childlike faith—that's what we need. We need a good dose of that, don't we? All oh, we need a good dose of that every day. And number five and last and will be done. Storms always teach us something new and deeper about the Lord. They drive us to the Lord and we see His magnificent. We see, we see God in the detail. We see His power, His love, His care. We see all sorts of things. Job said that, didn't he? I've said that to you before. After the storm had cleared in his life, he lost everything. He said, in in the closing of that book that bears his name, Job, he said, before I had only ever heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. He saw God in a way it never saw before. And storms have a way of doing that. And don't you love the peace that comes after the storm? Oh, wow, storms. Well, we need each other, don't we? We need each other when the storms hit. I need you, you need me, we need each other to lean on each other. That's a body life of a local church, to pray and encourage. And isn't it that way in a church family? Some it's going well in their blue skies. Some are in the midst of a buffalo snowstorm, all at the same time. And we rejoice with those that rejoice. And then we turn and go over here, and then we weep with those that weep. And most are in between storms, right? And we just enjoy them as well storms. Wow. We go through them, don't we? May God help us. May God grow us up. May we be men that are strong, women that are strong in our trust, no matter what befalls us. Even as Jesus, going to the cross, he trusted his Father completely as he lay down, and they nailed him there. He did the Father's will completely. Focusing, Only on him shall we stand and be dismissed. Father.